the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There's never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Go to LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. We are so grateful for their support. They keep us moving ahead with all of these episodes. So if you like Sideline Sanity, and I'm assuming you do because you're here, give Legacy Precious Metals a chance to help you with your investments, your long-term retirement plans and, and investments, your 401ks, your IRAs, LegacyPMInvestments.com. We thank them for their support. Money has never been a bigger factor in America than it is these days. Most of us are feeling like our budgets are crunched. Inflation, gas prices, all of it, grocery prices. We're just feeling the squeeze of it. And it's everywhere. It's everywhere from New York to California to Minnesota. Midterms right around the corner. And these are critical elections. Your vote has never been more valuable, more necessary to determine the shape of the future, wherever you might live. Here in Minnesota, a young man, 36 years old, named Jim Schultz, an attorney, is running for Attorney General of Minnesota. He is facing off with Keith Ellison, one of the most connected career politicians in America, who supported defund the police, who supported cashless bail, and who has overseen one of the biggest scandals feeding our future, $250 million fraud, in the history of this country. And so this should be a slam dunk for Jim Schultz. Will it be? We don't know. Like I said, Keith Ellison is very well connected. But things ain't going that well here in Minnesota, just as they aren't going well in other places like Philadelphia and Los Angeles and San Francisco and New York, where attorneys general have turned their backs against common sense law and order. Why is this happening? And can Jim Schultz be an answer in the state of Minnesota? He joins me right now. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world... Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. As promised, Jim Schultz, our guest, running for Attorney General of the state of Minnesota. Welcome, sir. I appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you, Michelle. It's an honor to be on with you. Well, it's 
as I tweeted out to my followers, if you have an open mind and you're curious, please tune in and find out a little bit more about Jim. This is a long form. This isn't a commercial. This is a long form kind of um, getting to know you session. I know you're a Harvard Law guy, constitutional law. What made you decide to run for office? People have a lot of different motivations. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, in a lot of ways, it didn't really make sense for me. I've you know, got uh, three little daughters. They're seven, three, and one. I, I joke that my wife and I haven't slept for about four years. And uh, and you probably won't for another 15 or so, so just know <laughs> that. Exactly, that's right. And, uh, you know, I was in a comfortable spot professionally, but my wife and I just kind of felt called to step forward. You know, we felt like we were losing the state we had known and loved and starting with the extraordinary violent crime here in Minnesota. And it's easy to get caught up in the stats. You know, the 100 murders in Minneapolis alone last year, 750 carjackings. But these are real human stories, real lives that have been damaged, um, communities destroyed. Um, and in my view, it didn't have to be this way. My view is that we embrace really reckless policies that could have been different and could have prevented and could again prevent in the future, you know, the extraordinary crime and violence that we've seen. And so that's why we stepped in. And, you know, unfortunately, we've had a lot of, a lot of success today and got to keep working for another, another, uh, another week or so. Well, the current attorney general, of course, is Keith Ellison of the DFL party. What policies specifically do you think he has supported that have led to the, the rise in crime, which is very real? It, it, I, I, I don't understand. I got teased the other day on Twitter for being, quote, obsessed with crime. And, well, gee, I'm really sorry about that. I don't like to see my fellow Americans getting hurt. So, you know, and and I am a very protective mom. So this stuff should matter to everybody. It's right. It's right. I mean, it's a real I mean, these. These people who dismiss it as though it's, you know, oh, it's just people being overly concerned. I mean, there are neighborhoods in Minneapolis that have become shooting galleries. There have, you know, have been, you know, 750 carjackings in one city. I mean, in a carjacking, that is incredibly serious. That scars somebody for life. And so, you know, to answer your question, the there's a number of things. You know, number one, he got behind the defund the police movement. That movement, of course, started in Minnesota. Um, and he got behind it by backing the Minneapolis Charter Amendment. And what that was going to do was essentially eliminate minimum staffing requirements for the Minneapolis police force. So effectively, it was a, it was a path to defunding Minnesota's police. In my view, that was incredibly reckless and wrong for the chief law enforcement officer of our state to get behind that. I mean, not only should he lose reelection for doing that, but he should he should spend the rest of his career apologizing to Minnesotans. There are a few things more reckless and extreme than proposing to defund the police, and yet he did it. Um, there's other policies that he got behind this no bail stuff where criminals are not held on bail um, or there's no there's no cash bail. And we've seen how that's affected so many cities around the country from New York. Is that in in effect in our state at this point? Yeah. So, for example, in Hennepin County, the county in which Minneapolis is, as you know, um, there's 19 crimes now for which for which the county attorney is no longer requesting or no longer demanding cash bail, just 19 categories of crime that they just have said, we're not going to demand bail on this. That is unacceptable. That is absolutely unacceptable. And Keith Ellison was, was a supporter of that. He was also a supporter of the Minnesota Freedom Fund, which many people will know, you know, bails out violent criminals with, um, with donor money. I mean, again, it's policies like that, that have let out criminals onto our streets and also just communicated generally to criminals that 
It is it, that is that they're not going to be held accountable for their actions. That is unacceptable. We have to make clear to, to criminals that there will be serious consequences for serious crime. And unfortunately, the opposite has been communicated these past several years. What do you think? have motivated obviously the george floyd murder happening right here in minneapolis triggered a a tsunami of events and we can we can talk about that particular day and the weeks that followed i'm just wondering how the knee-jerk reaction of going from a police force to defunding the police made sense to anyone what do you think the motivation was there was there was there any good intention or was it simply a backlash against this this event yeah yeah well i mean it of course did you know come out of the horrendous murder of george floyd as you as you point out i mean and he, and he was murdered and his his um the, the police officer who killed him uh derek chauvin was appropriately prosecuted for uh, yeah. for a murder and but alongside that, I think a lot of people, um, a lot of people just got behind these really terrible policies. And, you know, it's and it's interesting because they didn't they didn't come organically from from these communities that were that were, you know, that really felt, you know, the scourge of racism and things like that. They came they came from oftentimes just, you know, wealthy, um, entitled elites who, who got behind this. And you saw it, you know, in that Minneapolis Charter Amendment that, that I mentioned you saw some of the the most the neighborhoods that have felt the crime the most over these past years. You know, it, it precincts in North Minneapolis. You know, you know, you know, substantially, um, substantially black communities voted in like seventy percent against it because they know they may have deep concerns about what the way policing is done and things like that in Minneapolis, but they know that they need police on their streets. And so we had a lot of these people, you know, the kind of, um, you know, everybody from the kind of the sociology folks at the University of Minnesota to these, you know, to the Minneapolis, um, to the Minneapolis City Council and others who are so out of touch with reality that they can get behind a policy like that, that so evidently will harm the people that will harm the most are low income majority minority neighborhoods. And that is immoral. That is immoral to embrace policies that will lead to such violence and destruction, especially for those who are most vulnerable. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. I'm looking at your website and and the top issues that you have. Public safety is number one. And to me, that is the A number one job of any public official is to keep citizens safe. Yeah. Um, how quickly do you think if you, if you win, you can turn things around and how would you turn things around? Yeah, well, it starts on, it starts on day one and I think we can make a dramatic impact very quickly. You know, number one we have to do is hire dramatically more criminal prosecutors into the attorney general's office. 
Believe it or not, there's only three criminal prosecutors in an office of 150 attorneys. We have to need, need dozens of criminal prosecutors to support county attorneys aggressively prosecute crime again. And make Why are there so few right now? I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's that's striking to me. Why are there so few? It's just not a priority. I mean, this is an office that is focused on, on you know, and suing businesses, things like that. And sometimes that has merit. Sometimes businesses commit wrongdoing and things like that. But it's entirely on, you could call it the regulatory side of the office. That's their exclusive focus. And so they've allowed the criminal division just to atrophy down to just this current pittance of, of an attorney, of, of a set of attorneys. And we can't have that. Um, and so we've got to communicate again that crime will aggressively be prosecuted. Alongside that, we need to change the tone in our state. Right now, we've spent four years attacking, vilifying police and emboldening criminals. We need to do the opposite. And right now, I mean, part of the reason in Minneapolis is down a few hundred police officers, um, a substantial percentage of their police force is that, and that is true for a lot of cities around our state where they just don't have the number of police they need to, com- to keep people safe. It's because they've been maligned, slandered, and vilified by, by the media, by so-called public leaders. We need to, again, publicly articulate from the top on down, from myself to the governor and otherwise, that law enforcement is going to be supported going forward. Law enforcement is going to, we're going to partner with them to end the violent crime on our streets, that these are true heroes putting their lives on the line every day, and that the way they've been maligned and slandered these past years is an absolute disgrace. And so we've just got to reset the tone in our state going forward, and that will give people confidence to, um, to again, start start you know, coming back into their communities, that will, that will send a message to criminals that, that again, they need, they need to stop, they need to change their conduct, or otherwise they will go to prison. And so that in itself will, will make a big impact. And then we need things like legislative changes that I can go into in more detail, but to make penalties harsher in some instances, support, to give more resources to police and so forth. I will tell you this quick story. I was when I was still doing my NFL job covering teams. We had a game in Minnesota. I always love the home games. And uh, we were driving into the stadium and there were a couple of Minneapolis Police Department officers sort of at the at the entry that we drove into. And I I saw the look on the guys. I, I the guy looked like he had just been beaten to a pulp emotionally. And I said to him, how are you, how are you doing? And he said, we're hanging in there. And another guy walked up, another Minneapolis police officer walked up next to him. And he said, look, between the two of us, we have over 50 years of experience. We're not going anywhere, but they, but they, they were troubled. They were, they felt it and you could just see it on their face. And it, it, it made me sick. It, yeah. it just it made me sick. And yes, Derek Chauvin's behind bars because he killed a man. Yeah. And that's the way that this should have gone. But for every other police officer in the state of Minnesota to be paying for that is is absolutely wrong. Um, yep. You know, so so you've got a lot of support from the police. Yeah. What what how have they moved to, to stand by you? Well, I'm, that's probably among the things that I'm most proud of in this race. We probably have more support from law enforcement than any candidate for any office in the, in the, in the entire history of Minnesota. I'm endorsed by dozens of county sheriffs who most, they usually sit at, stay on the sidelines because they're nonpartisan officials, things like that. But they've been, were so troubled that they stepped in to endorse me. And then, uh, and then the Minnesota Police and Peace Officers Association, which represents 98% of police in the state has endorsed me as well. In addition to a bunch of other organizations, they're, they're behind me almost uniformly. 
because they're just so fed up. I mean, they feel like they, they don't have a problem with accountability. They don't have a problem with Derek Chauvin being prosecuted, things like that. But they feel like is that they've got a target on their backs every day, even as they do their best to keep Minnesotans safe. That is wrong. That is deeply wrong. And these are people, I mean, they're not, they're not you know, you don't go into policing to make a, you know, huge check and things like that. You go into it for your community. And the way that they've been treated is just so outrageous. And I'm so proud to have to have their support. And um, we're going to, I'm going to partner with them. You know, he, he, Keith Ellison has made him his adversary throughout his time in office. And it's going to be the opposite for me. We're going to partner with them to end the crime and violence, destroying so many lives and communities in our state. How are you finding voters, when you talk to voters, their perceptions of of crime in Minnesota? You know, again, I, I, I had to laugh at this person on Twitter who said, gee, why, why are you so obsessed with crime? And it's yeah. sort of, well, yeah. you know, I like safe streets. Call me crazy. I, yeah. But so am I in line with the voters that you talk to or and, and where does this fall in their list of priorities in terms of what they want to see change in November? I, yeah, well, you are exactly right, Michelle, and you because you're you're in touch with what people are concerned about. I mean, these, there's a lot of people who these keyboard warriors who spend their time on Twitter and things like that who are completely out of touch. And if you, because I'll tell you my own experience going out there, you know, throughout Minnesota, crime is number one. And you look at the polling now; it is cr- crime occasionally right next to, to the economy, but those are the two main issues that people are are concerned about because everybody wants their family to be safe. And, you know, you see in, in, you know, metropolitan Minnesota, the violent crime, um, you know, being the kind of dominant theme. And that's very real. Um, it's very, very real in greater Minnesota as well. We also see really concerns around drugs, you know, the fentanyl that's pouring mm-hmm. into our state. I mean, this is something I was I got did a roundtable down in, in Rochester, southern Minnesota, and a pastor was there and he told the story about um, I think was, I believe it was a 16 year old boy. He thought he was taking a Percocet. Um, instead, it was a pill that was laced with fentanyl. He immediately overdosed and it took his life. And that story, the stories like that are, are so, so common in our state. Um, just hundreds of people dying every year. And we don't have any coordinated, cohesive response from our state's government, frankly, from the federal government either, on dealing with what is the most serious drug issue we've ever encountered as a country. And so there's that, there's human trafficking. And meanwhile, we've got an attorney general that's focused on suing Ron DeSantis down in Florida every other day of the week, an attorney general focused on defunding the police and other these other far left causes. We just have to get back to basics. And and right now, for most Minnesotans, what they want out of their attorney general is an attorney general who doesn't get behind these kooky far left policies and instead just focuses on, on restoring public safety to our state. So you are absolutely, um, you speak for normal Minnesotans when you say that, Michelle. And no, no offense to the abnormal ones, but I, you know, I don't know what what you're seeing or not seeing. It's yeah. and who you care about and whom you do not care about. Yeah. I know that uh, Keith Ellison is calling himself the People's AG, yeah. and I don't know what that implies. How that he thinks that differentiates him. He thinks that you are going to be this corporatist sort of protect, um, you know, businesses kind of guy. Yeah. Where is he wrong on that? Yeah, well, it's it's interesting, you know. Keith Ellison, as the people's attorney, you know, backed supporting a seventy percent increase in the gas tax, backed uh, you know policies that have ravaged communities and hit the poor the hardest. You know, he sued egg farmers um, through the pandemic. 
I mean, this is a, a guy very much out of touch with the priorities of the average person. Um, and I'll tell you, and I grew up in a town of 186 people um, in rural Minnesota. I got my first job tasseling seed corn in the in central Minnesota. I spent all my um, growing up working on farms. I I'm from a middle class background. I've um, you know I've I've had some success in life, and I'll bring my private sector experience to the AG's office. And frankly, it's will be that will be pretty useful because you know I know actually know how you know corporations evade regulation, how corporations abuse regulation, how the ways in which they um, manipulate politicians to to get their way. I you know having that private sector experience, you know, alongside Keith Allison, who I think you know other than being a criminal defense attorney and then being in Congress in the AG's office for a few years, you know, and this is a guy who has zero zero private sector experience, and I think that my experience you know, compares pretty favorably to his. Yeah, it seems to me that when you have to work in the private sector, you find out how companies compete, how things get produced, how budgets get met, and things are a little bit more strict, if you will, than in, in the public sector, where a lot of that, sadly, gets overlooked. I, I want to take a quick break, Jim, and then I want to talk to you about the big scandal here in Minnesota and how this could possibly have happened to the tune of a quarter of a billion dollars being just poof. You know, it's a staggering to me. I can't believe it happened in Minnesota, but nothing really shocks me anymore. More with Jim Schultz after this. So with inflation and the economy being top of mind for every American, you think of your money in a couple different ways. Number one, what do you have to spend right now? And for many people, this is tough. It's paycheck to paycheck. It's going to the grocery store and seeing all those elevated prices, going to the gas station, seeing the the price per gallon just skyrocket almost, you know, before our eyes. It's really troubling. And then there's the long-term stuff that you have to pay attention to. You've got a future to consider. And that means investing some money, stashing it away for the long haul, protecting your wealth putting some of it aside, even just a little bit. And that's where gold and silver come in. And when I invest in gold and silver, the only people I trust are legacy precious metals. They've been doing this for a long time. There are a lot of companies out there, but these are the guys I trust. They can answer all of your questions about putting gold and silver in your retirement, your portfolio, your IRA, your 401k, wherever you think it should go. They'll help you answer those questions. In fact, they have a free investor's guide that you can download at their website, which is LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Also, you can just give them a call and they will just talk to you, the customer, about your situation and how gold and silver can be a great long-term play in your investment package. 866-528-1903. 866-528-1903. Or again, LegacyPMInvestments.com for that free investor's guide, which you can download. LegacyPMInvestments.com. Why not add a little law and order music to the bit? It's astonishing, Jim, that this feeding our future scandal happened in little old Minnesota. Um, How did this happen? I mean, $250 million 
yep. worth of fraud. Yeah. Two hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah. How can you nutshell this event for people who are kind of confused about what happened and where we stand right now? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and just to give the kind of high level background. So yeah, $250, one nonprofit that was supposedly feeding kids through the pandemic. It was a program funded from the federal government through Minnesota's Department of Education. And it was meant for kids to feed kids through the pandemic who are out of school and so forth. Um, now, red flag, there were red flags for this nonprofit very, very early on in May of 2020. Somehow, they didn't stop payments for well over a year. And we haven't been given an explanation why. We knew this was, was fraudulent and still tens of millions of dollars went out the door. And we've had a variety of excuses from our state's leadership. You know, first it was, you know, from Keith Ellison, it was, well, a judge made us send out this money. Then the judge came out and said, nope, that didn't happen. And so they, then they changed, well, the FBI made us send it out because they were building a case. I will tell you, the FBI is not in the business of advising victims of theft to send out $200 million to the thieves. It doesn't happen. I mean, the, and people, you know, when you know, people in the law enforcement community in Minnesota cannot believe that the attorney general of Minnesota is trying to, to pull the wool over, over Minnesota's eyes like this. I mean, it's, it's, cra it's a crazy idea. And they said things like, you know, I can't tell the truth on this because of attorney-client privilege. Again, a complete falsehood. And so... We need the truth on this. And it's, it, it, I, we haven't really gotten the full explanation as to what went on here. We do know, for example, that many DFL officials, including Keith Ellison, got very substantial contributions from those affiliated with Feeding Our Future. Uh, we, know, we know that there's, you know, there's a lot of really close relationships there, and maybe, maybe that had an impact. But we haven't been given an answer. But we, what we know is that there was extraordinary incompetence here. And then we also know coming out of it, as they try to explain away that incompetence, there's been lots of dishonesty, just one lie after another. And Minnesotans deserve better than that. You know, we deserve to be able to trust our attorney general. And it's just been one lie after another. And we can't we can't have that. It's it's staggering. Basically, people put up these false fronts. They'd have a location and say, we're going to feed kids here. And they'd fill out these fake names and ages of kids they were purportedly feeding yep. asked for money to pay for the food in exorbitant amounts. Yep. And it, this just kept happening. So, so this is through the Minnesota department of education. I mean, it's just, yep. it's really, really troubling to me. Um, it, I guess, where does it go from here? Because we know that the federal government is, is doing an, you know, is trying all these people. I think they're up to 48 or 50 people now that, yep. that were part of this scheme. Yep. So does, does the state of Minnesota have any, any way of reclaiming anything respectability, first of all, in the, in the department of education, any of it, how, how would you proceed with this if you were elected? Yeah, it's, it's a very good question because also I'll keep Allison appears to have done is make a phone call to the FBI and, say, and then wash his hands of it, you know, and we've got tons of state level uh, uh, resources we could bring to bear on this. So, for example, I mean, in addition to committing federal crimes, these people committed state crimes. We can bring cases against them once they're prosecuted um, for, for federal crimes, make sure that they get the full penalties that are due to them. We, have, we can seize assets. Uh, the, um, it took Ellison a long time. You know, he could have, you know, it's highly technical, but he could have put Feeding Our Future into receivership basically to halt cash going out the door to, to um, once it became evident it was fraudulent. He could, he could have 
um, he could have seized those assets. He didn't do it. And now so much, so much of this money is lost. But what we can do is continue to aggressively pursue you know, obtaining those assets alongside the federal government. Um, and then we, we can also on a go forward basis, you know, there's only, you know, there, Minnesota, what a lot of people don't know is the attorney general oversees all nonprofits in the state of Minnesota. We need actually a, a, a um, an attorney general's office that is resourced in a way. There's only a handful of people doing this right now for 40,000 nonprofits. And we have to make sure that we are adequately overseeing them. And that's one key thing we'll do when I'm in the, uh, the attorney general's office. But it's just, it's crazy. I mean, as you point out, a quarter of a billion dollars goes out the door. And then we've got our governor and attorney general saying this was a success. They're literally saying that, that this was a success. And it, it extraordinary, I mean, we talked about being, people being out of touch earlier. I mean, again, extraordinarily out of touch. One of the things that concerns me, and I'm gonna sound, I know people are gonna go, oh, she's crazy. But I really do worry about election integrity. I believe Joe Biden was elected president. I, I do. But it seems to me that co the COVID pandemic provided opportunities for so much fraud. Um, it's. I think a lot of it is very hard to prove. I think that maybe there's always been voter fraud in the United States of America, and it's nothing new. I wonder what your concern is about that, that, that whole, not only on the, the, the federal level, but on the state level, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this, this notion that somehow votes can be harvested, they can be gathered in a way that is not on the up and up. Yeah. Well, I mean, this goes way back. I mean, concerns about the integrity of our elections go back to both parties, you know, and to, you know, yeah. elections in 2000, 2004, 2016, and that, and of course in 20, 2020. And we have to make sure that all Minnesotans, all Americans, Democrat or Republican can fully trust our elections. Um, and you know, one thing that I do believe is that in 2020, when, uh, when, like a lot of attorneys general and secretaries of state around the country, Keith Ellison and our current secretary of state got together with a judge and they entered into what's called the consent decree effectively to amend Minnesota state law for the duration of 2020. We can't have that. We can argue about what our election laws should be and things like that, but our changes to our election laws should come from a legislature and a governor. They should not come from two people who have no legislative authority changing our election laws. And that, I think, so in a lot of people's minds, distrust. And we can't have that. We have to ensure that, we, that we're doing things that, that enhance trust, uh, that enhance trust. And so, you know, I think, I think you know, that's just one representative example of the ways in which, um, people, you know, where trust has been undermined. We can't, we can't have that. You know, this is kind of a broad question, Jim, but I, I think, you know, you just used a word, trust, that is really uh, an important word these days because it's diminished. In so many of our institutions, we don't trust our news media. We don't, you know, some people don't trust the Supreme Court. Some people don't trust the president of the United States. Some people, we could go on and on. Yeah. So I'm going to just ask you on behalf of all Minnesotans voting, why should we trust you? Well, I'm going to fight for everyone, you know, black, brown or white, rich or poor, every color, every walk of life. I'm going to fight for, for everyone because Minnesotans need a fighter for them. And, you know, this is. You know, I've, I grew up in, as I said, rural Minnesota. I it came from a middle class background. In a lot of ways, this race made zero sense for me, but I got into it because I felt like Minnesotans are hurting. 
And I will tell you, you know, going around the state, it's just so evident how, how much people are hurting, whether it be the violent crime, the drug problems, you know, the mental health crises of people coming out of the COVID pandemic and so forth. So many different things. And my promise to Minnesotans is I'm going to fight for everyone. And, you know, I'll, I'll be very honest. I'm not a politician. I've been in politics now for nine months. I won't be perfect. I won't be perfect. But I will work my tail off for every single Minnesotan. You know, I've, I've, um, you know, I've had been, I've been fortunate to have some success in life. Worked at two of the best law firms in the world. I've, um, you know, but I, what I'm really proud of is that I've made, I've stayed grounded. I've, I'm most proud of my three daughters and my, my beautiful wife Molly and what we've built there. And I'm gonna be somebody who is fighting for families like mine for every Minnesotan. And we're just going to keep working hard to uh, to deliver that. And so that's that's why I would I would ask for everyone's vote. Yeah, yeah. It's it's this is a time where again mistrust is is so prevalent. Yep. And you know you seem like a trustworthy guy, but of course there are the haters out there who are going to say, mm-hmm. "Oh, he looks like he's in high school. Uh, he's <laughs> never tried a case. Yeah. Uh, he's you know." And so. I, I just want you to have the opportunity to make your pitch yeah. a, and to counter all of that. It, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a stunning contrast between you and Keith Ellison. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I'm not just talking about race here or age or any of that. I'm talking about really just your overall approach to, to the law. Yeah. And so when he says he's the people's attorney, and you say, I'm going to fight for every Minnesotan. How do Minnesotans make sense of that? Where, where, you know, again, if mm-hmm. you can pinpoint yeah. where you differ from Ellison, yeah, not just in the past of what's happened, but going forward. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think Keith Ellison was given a great, was given an, uh, an opportunity in 2018 to move forward and be a truly apolitical attorney general. And instead, what we got was a far left attorney general and an attorney general who got behind things like defunding the police and so forth. And what I'll be is an, an apolitical attorney general. I've been in, I haven't been in politics all my life. What, I, what I'll be is an attorney general who's focused on doing justice every single day of the week. And, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, he says I'm too young, things like that. Well, I'm, 30, I'm 36, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, Walter Mondale, you know, former vice president, when he became attorney general of Minnesota, he had about four years of legal experience. And, uh, and was 32. And so, um, so I think I'm, I'm more than well equipped uh, to do it. You know, I've graduated toward the top of my class at Harvard Law School. I did practice at two of the best law firms in the world. I'll put up my experience next, next to Keith's, you know, every day of the week. But what I will do is address the extraordinary challenges our state currently faces, starting with violent crime. Keith Ellison has been missing in action on this fundamental challenge. And in fact, has made it worse by getting behind defunding the police. And I'll address this nonprofit fraud, like feeding our future, you know, it's extraordinary incompetence. And I'll, I will tell the truth to Minnesotans. I won't lie about things like Keith Ellison so often has on feeding our future, on his support for defunding the police and otherwise. We're going to have to restore trust in an office that has lost trust from everyday ordinary Minnesotans who feel like it has become extreme. And so that's what I'll, that's what I'll do. And I'll, I'll continue fighting for every Minnesotan. Here's an interesting follow-up in that if someone hears you say you'll be apolitical, yeah. but you're running as a Republican, Ellison's yeah. running for the DFL, yeah. how do you become apolitical once you get into that office? Yeah, yeah. So it's not getting behind these you know partisan things. You know, for example, 
you know, what I've said is I'm not going to push things legislatively that are intrinsic to the AG's office. You know, I'll seek increased penalties for some, some types of crime, funding for th- for different things related to crime, things like that. But you won't see me out there pushing, you know, policy around, around uh, you know, sensitive social issues and things like that. What I'll be focused on is the day-to-day work of the attorney general's office. And I won't, I won't in individual cases, I won't let politics be factored in. You know, the prosecution of Kim Potter, the Brooklyn Center police officer, what is a representative example of a thoroughly politicized attorney general's office where Keith Ellison upcharged her to a higher charge solely for political reasons. We can't have that. We need justice that's the same, whether you're black or white or Republican or a Democrat, rich or poor. And, um, and so that's what I'll, what I'll deliver as well. We would really like to see equal justice applied to every single person, no matter their station in this yeah. state and really in the United States of America. So you've yeah. made your pitch. I so appreciate your time. I know how busy you are. You're probably counting down the days, although in a way, I'm guessing you wish you had even a few more days. I don't know. What do you what do you feel at this point when you're a week out and you've been all over the place and you'd like to get the results? But you also know you have more to sell. Yeah. What, what, where's your head? Well, you, you alluded to it, Michelle. It's a total mix of feelings. You know, I wish I had, you know, months more to uh, to make my case. You know, to be, you know, Minnesota is a big state. People forget just how big it is and you know, over five and a half million people. And we're just trying to reach as many people every day of the week as possible. Um, but we also want to get in there and do a heck of a lot of good. So I am, you know, looking forward to, uh, to next week. You know, right now we're leading in the polls. Um, we just got to keep fighting for another eight days. And um, and just, you know, and get it done. And so, um, you know, we just got to keep keep at it. And, um, you know, folks can check us out um, online at Jim for MNAG.com, um, Jim, F-O-R, MNAG.com. And people can donate if they're so inclined. We just got to keep at it for another little bit. And and um, I'll say my um, my um, my wife, Molly, is probably ready for it to be done in in, uh, in eight days. Uh, <laughs> as I my, my daughters. But um, we're going to keep working hard for that period. Well, you haven't slept for so many years. Why, why start now? You know, because yes, like I said, it doesn't get any easier. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in some ways it does. In many ways it doesn't. Yeah, but right, you're at a right. great stage with your girls. Uh, best of luck to you. I, you know, look, um, I know that people are going to just look at me and say, we know where you stand. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. But I, I, so I like to amplify sane people, Jim, and you strike me as a very sane, even keeled honest broker. And so I'm happy to have had you on. I'm going to invite Keith Ellison on too. I don't know that he's going to accept my invitation, but I'm going to ask him. So um, I I believe in talk and having these conversations. So thank you for joining us here on Sideline Sanity. Thanks everyone for listening. As always, be brave, you know, stand up to bullies, do good and uh, keep listening to Sideline Sanity. Happy to talk once again with Charles Thorngren, the CEO of Legacy Precious Metals. You know, I think it still is confusing to people, uh, some people, uh, as to why a precious metals investment would be a worthwhile one, particularly at this time when they're thinking, I'm doing all I can to put gas in the car. Why is now a particularly good time? And we'll go from there to how small of an investment is worthwhile for someone. You know, a great question. And I think the, the importance of why really comes into the fact that we have to save for ourselves, whether it's a little here, a little there, 
whether it's making it a plan and putting out so much a paycheck, whether it's making sure we fund our retirement account, we have to realize we are responsible for ourselves in the long run. <laughs> you mean that no one else is going to ride up and save us, you know, on some white steed? It ain't going to happen. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. You know, that, and anyone who's promising to do that is getting ready to take advantage of you in some form or fashion. Yeah. And so, so if, if I'm an investor, a potential investor, and I'm looking at legacy precious metals and I'm saying to myself, yeah, I, I, this sounds smart. I don't have a lot to spend. What would you tell that person? I would say, do what you can. If you never start, you never get there. So the most important step you can take is saying, I'm going to take care of myself and my family. I'm going to make it a plan. I'm going to take action. I'm going to start in the way that's comfortable for me. That's the important thing. The first step is always the hardest. But once you take that first step, the second step is easier. And then you're moving. And then once you're in motion, it's hard to stop you. So that first step, most important step. I always tell people they can call and talk to an IRA expert or, or check out the, the guide that they can download for free, the investor's guide. What, what is the number one question that you get from people who are first-time investors? The biggest question I get, is this right for me? That is the question. And that comes from everyone. So, so everyone's asking the same, is this right for me? And yet we're all so unique. And, and yet it, it is a sound investment for just about any portfolio, isn't it? It is. We, even though we're all unique, that uniqueness is going to tailor the way we begin the investment. Okay. But we're all in the same situation. That's the one thing I think we seem to forget in today's society. Whether you agree with somebody or not, we're in this together. America is in this transition that we're in right now. We're dealing with the same issues. Some people like them, some don't, but we're all in it together, right? So the need is the same. How we prepare and how we invest is what changes from person to person, but we all have that same need. It's a great point. And again, I encourage people to, to, to just make the call, pick up the phone. That step is always the hardest. I'm not sure why that is in any kind of effort that you make in life, whether it's weight loss or exercise or investing some way to better your life. It always seems like that first hurdle is, is the challenge. Uh, but when they call, who, who are they going to talk to? Who, what, what's going to be on the other end of the line for them? Great question. You're, you're going to speak with one of our customer representatives and their job is not to sell you metals, right? But we have a much different approach. We're going to answer all your questions. We're going to show you what options you have. And on the rare occasion, this isn't right for you. We're going to say this probably isn't right for you. Um, we have a gold company here, but you know, I, I say it all the time. What we actually deal in is customer service. We want each and every individual that calls to get the answers they need to be able to make the decision that's right for them. And we want to do that in a way that's not pushy, that's not salesy. And that's what makes my team so special. We care about each and every caller. And we're going to show you what options you have. And then you get to make an informed decision. So don't be afraid of the phone call. It's the best thing you can do. And this is why I am so honored and I feel privileged to be sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. They're the ones that I'm going to deal with. And I encourage you to pick up the phone, give them a call, even easier. Go check out their, their guide. It's a free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. But as you said, Charles, pick up the phone. You're going to talk to someone who can answer your specific questions and get 
get the ball rolling, get, get started, do something that is a long-term play for your family's benefit. Charles, it's always great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's always great to be here. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.